Welcome to the Slingshot Sim Racing Podcast. I'm Ellis. And I'm Chris. On the podcast, we get to know our Slingshot Racing community on and off the track, while also talking about anything and everything else sim racing related. You can check us out at slingshotracing.org where you can join our Discord. The podcast is brought to you by Apex Energy Drink and Martin Sports, but we'll talk about them a bit later. For now, let's jump into it. All right. Well, happy new year, everybody. We're back. We took a week off, but it is uh, most excellent to be back. We're uh, episode 16. Tonight, we've got a really interesting show for you guys who are listening. Uh, We've got uh, Brock Drury, who is a film director who directed the new Sim Racer movie. It's the first and only movie about Sim Racing. So if you're a Sim Racer, which you probably are if you're listening, you might be interested in that. Stick around. We've got kind of a conversation about that, that movie and what went into it and also, Brock's experience with sim racing, which played a major role in writing the movie. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll hit that in, uh, interview segment just a little bit later, but we're going to go ahead and jump into the open segment. Uh, it is a new year. So Chris, how are you doing tonight? Are you feeling like a new and improved you just one day in to the new year? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, other than the fact that I have not uh, realized my new year's resolution of trying to uh, get in better shape and you know hit the hit the home gym i haven't done it today i'm gonna uh, hopefully do it tomorrow you know start monday brand new go back to work tomorrow you know so um we'll see if i uh if i stick to that oh the dreaded work and for teachers after two weeks off we're gonna have a hard time going back in it's gonna be sure it's gonna be it's tough. gonna be really tough um yep. so we're one day into the new year um, that means we've now crossed into, I guess, technically sing- slingshot second year, even though we haven't been around for a full calendar year. Um, but we're into 2023 right now. And I guess I just, I think it makes sense to take a moment to talk about maybe what our goals for slingshot are this upcoming year, 2023, but also maybe just us individually as sim racers. Um, you know, I know me particular, I've had kind of a, a harder time getting into the sim just because everything going out on outside of it with the league and all that. So what is what is your goal as a sim racer for 2023? Is there something you want to do better, want to do more t- time with? What what are you planning on? One thing that I tried to do over Christmas break, it, it was hard for me as well, just because we spent a lot of time over Christmas break just trying to get, you know, the kinks of the broadcast broadcasting worked out mm-hmm. um you know i've never worked with atvo i've never worked with Streamlabs before i've never streamed anything so we spent most of christmas break just doing that but outside of that i tried to spend a little bit more time on the sim um i i'm gonna try really really hard this year um outside of league racing to um to do a little bit more different stuff some maybe stuff that is not nascar racing um, I like dirt oval racing a lot, and so I did a little bit of that over Christmas break. I also raced some GT3 over Christmas break as well. Uh, last week, they were at uh, the GT3 Challenge, the Fix Setup Series was at uh, uh, Brands Hatch, and I did a lot of running around there because I really like that track. And one thing that I came to realize was I haven't done a lot of official racing. Most of my road racing is done either in league or in the endurance races special events one thing i've noticed is that my i rating really does not match my talent level uh, because (laughs) i am nowhere near as fast as a lot of the people that are in my races and so i probably need to do some more official races so i can bring my i rating down my road i rating down to a more acceptable level for me uh, because i'm nowhere near as good as some of the people that i'm in there i've been bottom third of the field uh in all of them and uh, so I'm gonna try to do some more of that. Um, that that's that's what I'm gonna look to do more than anything else. And um, for slingshot, like my, my personal racing goals in slingshot, uh, we're racing the trucks. I'd like. To, I mean, the Cup Series didn't go so well for me this season. Um, I'd like to at least win a race and um, you know be top five in points. That would be a really really good goal for me to attain this this coming season. What about you? Uh, for me, I think it's similar uh, in terms of the road racing. I do agree that my I rating on road is probably a little bit 
inflated just because I'm usually running those endurance races and, uh, you know, we usually finish the race most of the time, which helps with the high rating. Um, so yeah, I, I think that certainly I need to probably run some races to, to get my eye rating down a little bit. Maybe that'll help us not be, of course, mine's going to be lower than yours anyway. So it'll probably drag us down into a lower, um, a lower split anyways, but maybe I can Don't work so on sure about that. <laughs> maybe I can work on getting it down even more. Um, before the 24 hours at Daytona, which we're looking forward to. So I think that's like my first goal for the year is a do more, a little bit more road racing. Like I don't want to completely shift to road racing. That's not where my heart is, but I do want to kind of progress as a driver a little bit in making those right turns more often. But also uh, just immediately out of the gate at Daytona, I would like to again, finish the race, but uh, I would like to, to contend for another top five, if not better, maybe even a podium, uh, this year. Um, so I, I want to put in the work to, to be able to do that. Um, but outside of that initial road racing in January, I think my goal is for, for this truck series that we're getting ready to run, um, is to, to be competitive at a level where I can run in the top five, top 10 every week. Um, obviously accents are going to happen, but I want to be able to, to string together some, some consistent finishes and, and like you said, run top five and points. Um, maybe I get there, maybe I don't. So I'm not going to be too hard on myself about it as a goal, but I'm definitely, um, definitely interested in, and maybe I guess focusing on the racing a little bit more. I think oftentimes, like I mentioned, it's hard to do that when, you're managing the league as you know so just getting into that element not having it be something oh you know it's it's tuesday or wednesday night it's time for me you know on monday night to do a little bit of practice and then hit the racetrack on on race day um i think that's what has been good for me in the past is having multiple nights of practice even if it's just a little bit each night um you know kind of approaching it you know your brain works different different ways on different days so um I think that's going to be something I want to do. And for, for our slingshot goals, you know, it's our second, our second year being around. I think I just want to continue to grow. Um, I don't want to, you know, the, the, the goal has never been to grow to a unsustainable level or anything like that. We just want to grow a community of, of drivers who are interested in just, being a community and not just, you know, talking to each other on the racetrack or maybe just racing against each other and not even talking to each other. It's always been a goal to create a place where you felt like you had friends, at least in the virtual sense, and that that you could have activities with each other um, multiple times a week and, and kind of have that camaraderie, so to speak. So that's our goal. I think it's just to continue to develop that and also the broadcasting which is we can just transition in this topic right now. The broadcasting has been something that has been a challenge for us. I think it's been a bigger challenge than we anticipated. Um, probably, I don't know how you, if you would agree with that or not, but definitely, I think that we're broadcasting our own, our own races this year. Um, and that has been, you know, uh, just a eye opening experience. I think I have that much more respect for anyone who's broadcasting races after kind of experiencing everything that goes involved, uh, goes into the production of one of those broadcasts, whether it's the graphics, whether it's the audio, whether it's the video, as you know. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I know that you've honestly been kind of the, the brains of the operation when it comes to the production. So what's been, what's been the experience there? What have you learned kind of going through this process, um, of, of, how to broadcast a race, something that we hadn't really even thought of maybe up until three months ago. Well, I will say this, like, I, like I mentioned before, I've never done any type of streaming. I've never worked with stream labs. I've never worked with ATVO before, you know, this our overlay program that we use and never used any of it before. So I've been trying to, it's been sort of like a trial by fire for me, uh, throughout this whole, uh, this whole time. And a lot of the times you feel like just beating your head up against a wall because, um, I, I, you know, been texting and messaging and having conversations with you about like, oh, I did this little thing right here to try to, you know, I feel like I did all the right steps to, you know, improve the stream and improve the quality and, 
oh, wow, nothing happened. You know, it still looks the same or, you know, oh, it looks a little bit worse or maybe it looks slightly better, you know, or it's just that's the frustrating part is, you know, just sort of learning on the go. And, you know, during an actual race, we've done several of these recruitment races and I feel like we've gotten better at them each time. Um, But I, I feel like it's also like a like your hair's on fire while you're doing it sort of thing. And a lot of that just comes because it's it's not as natural for us right now. But I think it will be natural sooner rather than later. I can I can sort of feel it coming, you know, the the more and more that we do it. So um yeah, th- this last one finally started to get a little bit of a grasp of how, you know, we're gonna show replays and how replays will work. Uh, I will admit like the first couple uh races that we did that was my biggest struggle was you know being able to maneuver through cameras go to the right spot to find it and you know eventually i was like at first i was thinking oh well i gotta make it look good going back to the replay and you know eventually i just you know i I do want it to look good and i think it eventually will but i think it's more important to like hey just show the audience what happened um you know more than anything else like let's just see what the cause was Instead of, you know, a bunch of smoke and mirrors to try to make it look good going back in the process. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's been an experience. And um, my goal for, for Slingshot, like you said, is to grow and, and for that broadcast element to, to get better. I think the groundwork's there and I think that we'll be OK. Yeah, I, I definitely the replays were on point in the last race. You've gotten I'm amazed like. At, not that I did, wouldn't have thought you were capable of doing all that, but like I, I couldn't do it. I'm glad that you're capable of doing it because I could not be doing so many things at once. Like I'm trying to do a couple things on my end of the computer, and that is difficult enough. But to be controlling all the cameras and and controlling what pops up on the screen, that's that's immensely difficult. And we've been fortunate to to be able to work with um, you know a guy named Chris Pierce um, and Pierce Graphics that's built this system for us that is pretty, I would say, user friendly at least once everything gets up and running. But it's been a fun process. I think from from my standpoint, the funnest part of the process has been the design process. Uh, that's something that that we wanted you know to to make sure we were unique from day one. And uh, I think playing a role in designing all that which has always been kind of my interest is the graphic designs and all that um you know stuff on social media so it's allowed me to to kind of dig into that a little bit more and i've had fun with that and i'm i'm not glad to say that it's coming to a close in terms of having to come up with all the ideas for this stuff um because chris has come up with a lot of ideas as well chris pierce and you as well um you know this has been a process where it's been easy to work together we talked with uh, we can talk with Brock in the podcast a little bit about, you know, the difficulties of maybe working with, with different people and things like that. But this has been a seamless process between you, me and, and the other Chris. Um, and I'm pleased about that. Um, and I'm just, I, I think it's made this process much easier. Um, but yeah, the broadcast, uh, just talking is, that's something that I think I took for granted of you know, oh yeah, I can talk, but like there are moments where you're like, do I need to say something? Should I say something? Should I just leave it dead air? And you know, if you leave it dead air, like, are you going to say something? Am I going to like jump in there and, and, and talk over you? And, uh, I think we've gotten pretty good with the handoffs to each other and kind of understanding, you know, our roles within the broadcast, but it's still, like you said, it's not quite natural yet, but it's getting there. Yeah. And you know, sometimes I, so I, I think back to some of my favorite moments in in nascar broadcast history and in a lot of those moments the broadcasters aren't saying anything um you know i i can think of a handful just off the top of my head they're just letting the moment breathe you know on camera so um I, i think that's you know your natural instinct as a you know somebody who's doing this for the first time is oh gosh nobody's talking i gotta say something you know uh but i think sometimes it's okay to not say anything yeah, I, I do think that that is something that that is important because sometimes the the viewers just want to watch and kind of experience the racing without maybe all the noise on top of it. So um, yeah, it's been it's been a great a great process. Uh, you know, if you're listening, you can check out uh, our broadcast. We are on Twitch and we link our videos on Facebook. We're also 
on YouTube and it is Slingshot Racing League. And you just look us up. Uh, those links will be in the show notes as well in the description for the, the episode. So um, go ahead, you know, follow us and you'll get uh, notifications when we go live. And uh, most mostly our races have lasted about 45 minutes to an hour. But during the regular season, we're looking at what, probably an hour and a half. So not a huge time commitment. Pop in, pop out, do something while it's on. Um, but just support, you know, show some support and, uh, you know, get a free, uh, enjoyable broadcast. Um, yeah. So anything else you want to say about that before we move on to our final topic? No, just um, I'm really pleased with how the poll process has gone. And uh, I can't wait for uh, it's coming up really soon. It's a, you know, we're a little over a week away from the clash. So looking forward to it and looking forward to that first uh, official broadcast. Yeah, it's going to be going to be exciting. So uh, with that uh, new year, new season, but uh, on the iRacing front, new year, um, one less car that's going to be at least uh, some restrictions on the car that is being run. IndyCar has been a, a hot topic, you know, uh, started maybe the week we took off from the podcast, but uh, I think it's still worth mentioning um, that IndyCar is basically no longer um, the car is going to remain on iRacing. Am I correct about that? The That's car right. will remain on iRacing, but basically there will be no official IndyCar series. There'll be no Indy 500, which I feel like is the biggest thing that people are the most upset about, is that there will be no official Indy 500 um, on iRacing. Uh, so yeah. what what kind of happened here? Talk to us about what what um, basically has made this the, the case. So IndyCar has not had a a you know a licensed video game in many years, um, and in recent years there's been a especially lately there's been a lot of talk about IndyCar's aging demographic, um, about how the average age of the fan is just getting older and older and older in IndyCar, and the idea is that and it's you know they are correct in their assumption of like hey. A video game is a really, really good way to bring um, younger eyes to the sport. Um, so, uh, not that long ago, they entered into negotiations with Motorsport Games. And those of you that are familiar with some of their NASCAR games that they've put out in the past, um, the quality leaves a lot to be desired. I'll just put it that way. Um, they're in significant financial disarray at the moment. Are they bankrupt? Um, I feel like they've. I feel like I've read stories about them being bankrupt like, yeah, multiple times. Uh, they were Nasdaq pulled them off of you know public trading markets. Um, there was a you know a, a big. I don't know all the details, but I know a, a bunch of the staff went away at one point. It's just a big mess, and so you know, IndyCar signed a contract with them, and the, some of the language in the contract resulted in you know, the IndyCar name and the IndyCar rights um, being reserved exclusively to motorsport games. Um, there was no other language written into the contract about including it in iRacing, um, which differed from NASCAR's contract with motorsport games. NASCAR's contract with them stated, you know, specifically had language in it you know, hey, this game's going to go out, but, you know, nothing is going to change on the iRacing front. Uh, that's going to remain. And like you said, it's resulted in, you know, um, at the end of 2022, uh, the IndyCar name being completely censored on the iRacing site. There is still an, a, um, a series that races um, the Dallara IR18, um, but it's called the U.S. Open Wheel Series, something I can't remember what it's called now, but... Um, like you said, there is no more official iRacing Indy 500. Um, you're not allowed to Twitch stream or YouTube stream any type of league races using the Dallara IR18 and IndyCar, you know, uh, likeness anywhere on your Twitch stream, which I think is also, you know, you mentioned the Indy 500. That's probably the biggest hit, but also I think it's a big hit to a lot of these leagues um, that that run that oh, yeah. car. Oh yeah. I mean, the, just think, you know, if, you know, this came about with NASCAR and all of a sudden Slingshot, we couldn't run the the truck in this upcoming season. I mean, it would be a huge, huge hit to us. Um, so, and I, I mean, personally, I like IndyCar racing a lot. Um, I watch it often. Um, 
But their decisions lately, this is not just the only decision. Their decisions lately make me really question why I'm even watching it and if I want to continue watching it. Yeah, and I guess I look at it and there's no great answer here. There's no like, oh, yeah, this totally makes sense. There's no... I guess I look at it from a fan's approach. I'm like, from motorsports games, right, who has taken a lot of heat for... A, being financially irresponsible, borderline like scam company. They basically put out a game with NASCAR Heat Ignition that was bad. Like you said, putting it mildly, it was bad. It wasn't a complete game. It was a broken game. And for a company that ought to be looking for goodwill from the public, um, locking IndyCar into an exclusive contract and basically shattering all these leagues and stuff that broadcast and, and basically taking away IndyCar exposure on a the biggest the biggest sim racing platform seems like just completely um tone deaf to everything uh, and just unaware uh almost tripping over themselves right um i just i don't get that i don't get i don't get it and i don't know how much of this is indycar's hands being kind of you know um chained by motorsports games i, I would be more curious to know about that probably never I will they, i think they deserve a lot of blame i think that indycar marketing and indycar legal deserve a lot of blame for signing this contract that i don't think that they were fully aware of what they were doing at the time i honestly think that that's a lot of it they were not 100 percent fully aware of what they were doing but that one of the lawyers um yeah so that's a, that's a big blow i think for both of us we're we're you know uh, it's, we're blessed that it's not a big blow because we're not big into the open wheel series on iRacing, but we know people who are, and we're disappointed for those folks. We're disappointed for all the other folks who run leagues that that run those cars that are now scrambling to kind of figure out, hey, what are we going to do? Um, and a lot of people will miss that Indy 500 in May. So it's a big loss to the service, and, and it's a big loss to our community. So, um, you know, it sucks for those people, but hopefully some sort of resolution or workaround or just transition can start happening i guess it will have to happen starting today so um yeah curious to see what what lays ahead for those individuals and for the 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 u.s open wheel series on iRacing but next week uh we're going to be talking about daytona a little bit with the daytona 24 coming up we're going to be talking about how to prepare for that i know i've got to start getting a little more uh time in the sim this week maybe if i can find time between preparing for that and you know, running recruitment races and stuff. Um, But we'll get there. Uh, So we'll be talking about that next week. We'll have a couple of our drivers uh, on to talk about that. Anything else we need to talk about before we uh, move on to our interview segment for tonight, Chris? Uh, Nothing that I can think of. All of our slingshot drivers out there, uh, we're excited to see you on the track here in a little over a week's time. Absolutely. And if you are uh, listening at this point, you can find out how to register for either our Cup Series, which is running the ARCA car, or or our Truck Series. Uh, that are both starting not next week, but the week after. All that information is in the description uh, and on our social media. So, uh, yeah, we're going to cut to a quick ad break, and we'll be right back around the corner with an interview with Sim Racer Movie Director Brock Jury. Well, in 2022, we've seen an epic battle for the championship between Aaron Wilson and Justin Smith. Neither one have really been able to gain an edge on the other. And like, I know personally, I have at least one driver I find myself side by side with each week. Um, And chances are you've probably got drivers and moments where you just can't seem to find an edge. Well, Slingshot has a little secret. We're gonna let you in on, we found the edge. Apex Energy Drink is going to help you focus on every single detail that is important in those crucial moments of the race, whether it's the final lap at Daytona or the side-by-side battle into Eau Rouge at Le Mans. Most of uh, the energy drinks on the shelf are going to give you heart palpitations, and worst of all, they don't even tell you what ingredients they have in them. Apex Energy is formulated with your health in mind, avoiding artificial dyes and allergens, but it's still going to keep you locked in during your toughest battles on the track. Uh, They've actually got four great flavors, including Blue Raspberry, Sherry Limeade, Bomb Pop, and Citrus Blast. My favorite is the Bomb Pop. Uh, Go ahead and get yours now uh, and get 10% off by using the code SLINGSHOT10. That's SLINGSHOT10 uh, when you check out. Promise you are not going to regret it. 
All right, so we are back for our interview segment tonight. And tonight, we've got a special guest, a great way to kick off the new year, Brock Drury, who is a film director from Georgia, who actually just released uh, or is getting ready to release on streaming platforms uh, on the web, a movie called The Sim Racer. Uh, And we're going to dig into this movie just a little bit, but just to kind of introduce listeners to it, The Sim Racer is a, a, a movie that follows a fictional character, named Luke Wallace, who finds out he's going to lose his home unless he comes up with uh, close to $10,000 in 30 days. So he enters a sim race, which pays $20,000 in an attempt to save his home. And the movie kind of focuses on his journey through that competition and his, you know, uh, goal of saving his house by winning this major uh, sim race. So we'll talk about that. But welcome, Brock. Uh, How are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good. What about you? Uh, we are good. We were just talking earlier about our vacations that are coming to an end, so could always be better with that. But um, now, where are you? Are you in Georgia right now? Yeah, I'm in Georgia. I live about an hour north of Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, how often do you get down into Florida? Uh, maybe once in a while, but not a ton. I actually just got tickets to the Jacksonville Jaguars game for Christmas, but I'm just going to sell them because I'm a Tennessee Titans fan. And I don't want to be the one Titans fan there at the Jaguars game getting heckled the whole time. He probably gets some pretty good money for him. Jackson's oh, yeah. playing really well right now. Yeah, it's basically a playoff game. So yeah. the ticket price went up. So that's one reason I'm selling them too. Yeah, make um, a, a little bit of profit there. Well, who got you the tickets? Uh, not knowing that, I guess they're playing. They're not. Are they playing the Titans, you said? Yeah, it's uh, okay. the Titans versus Jaguars. Um, I got them for my mom for Christmas. Okay, so it wasn't like a it wasn't a complete miss where they weren't even playing your favorite team. Uh, no, wrong tickets. There's no. that's a good thing. I'm probably um, going to use the money that I get to buy Daytona 500 tickets. So I would so much rather know. go to the 500 than a Jaguars game. So yeah, I'm with definitely. You on yeah so uh let's talk about i guess we'll just get to it here um you know we we know that you're a film director but uh your interest in sim racing kind of extends far past that a little bit so we can talk about the movie and we'll weave that in here as we go but how long have you been into sim racing take us back to the beginning so goes way back my dad he got nascar 3 way back in the day oh he, man he had that so i played that offline i didn't start playing online until nascar race in 2003 and that's like a whole different world so yeah for a while those were chris's favorite uh two of our favorite games was nascar 3 and nascar 2003 season definitely classics yeah, I'd say NASCAR 2003 is my favorite, just because sometimes I like playing offline, and there's so much you can do to the AI just to modify how they race and stuff, and there's all kind of tracks you can download and everything, so. Oh, yeah, yeah with, the, with the mod community that was in NASCAR 2003, and NASCAR 2003 was, was my first experience racing other people, you know, PC sim racing other people online. Um, so I'm with you there. It's, uh, it's one of my, it's got a special place in my heart too. Yeah. What, uh, what were you using? What was your, your steering method of choice? So at first I had some kind of really cheap wheel. I don't remember the brand, but I upgraded to a Momo. Oh, there it is. That made like this weird sound, like really loud. And after that, I had a Logitech G25. And had that like a long time, and I finally upgraded to a G27. That's what I have now. Either G27 or G29. I think a G29 actually. Sound like you followed a similar upgrade path to Chris and I. I think we both started out with. We started out with joysticks first. Uh, I don't know if you ever tried sim racing with a joystick, but it's an experience. And then we moved up to the Momo wheels. Um, so. Yeah, that's a it is a good wheel, but you're right about that sound. It's almost like you can hear all the little plastic gears inside yeah. it. Um, yeah. 
Cool. Well, so you did that. And when was your first encounter with uh, iRacing? So NASCAR 2003, it was people were looking for a new game, probably around 2007 or 2008. We had iRacing coming out and people were like, are we going to go to iRacing or stay on NASCAR 2003? And I finally went over to iRacing probably fall of 2008 so i've been on there pretty much since it started i'm gonna off now when you say community uh uh people kind of deciding what game they're gonna play is that the community that you were kind of a part of or just the community in general is what you're talking about yeah there's in general that's how i remember there's also a game called arca sim racing some people went over to it at first and tested it out like the bigger names like Ray Alfala and all of them, they tried that out first. And I think it came along a few months before iRacing. People were just trying to find a game to replace NASCAR 2003 because I think Papyrus, now that's uh, iRacing, they didn't have the license to NASCAR. And that's why they quit making uh, the NASCAR games after NASCAR 2003. So I think that's why... They're trying to find a new game to replace it. I yeah. I vaguely remember that uh, arcade game a little bit. I don't you think I ever it? played it though. I don't think I ever played it. Did you? Uh, I want to say I did play it, but I don't remember it very well. Um, I want to say that I did play it, but I, I it just doesn't it doesn't stick with me. I can remember I can remember that. Um, sort of like that shift that Brock is talking about of, you know, people leaving in our 2003 to, you know, like, oh, are we going to iRacing? And that was about the time that ARCA Sim Racing came out. But I, I honestly, I, I remember you, Ellis, playing uh, NASCAR Sim Racing, the EA Sports oh, yes. PC game. Oh, yes. Um, I, I remember you playing that, but I, I can't remember if I ever tried ARCA Sim Racing or not. I'm drawing a blank there. I yeah, forgot NASCAR. about I forgot about NASCAR Sim Racing. I had that too. But. That was my first foray into actual league racing was through NASCAR Sim Racing. And I can't even, to, to be honest, I try to remember the name of the league all the time because I want to look those guys up on iRacing because sure, I'm sure a lot of them are on there. But yeah, that was that was NASCAR Sim Racing, not the best game, but definitely got me my start in league racing. So yeah, you know, an oldie, but uh, a mediocre one. But um. Cool. So you've been doing that. You've been on iRacing, you said, since about 08 when it originally came out after people kind of looked for that transition to make. And I'm guessing this is long before you went into college and started about film, started thinking about filmmaking, or were you kind of uh, getting into that at the same time? Yeah, it was around high school time. And I got into college around 2010. And that's where I started to play less and less sim racing. But I was doing a ton back then in high school. Like I was even in like the Pro Series back then. Like it's, I think it's still called the Pro Series. It's the qualifying series to get into the Coke yeah, Series now. The, the road but, to, to Pro. Yeah. But back then it was like top 300 drivers. I all raced for the top 40. It was like the first year of the Coke Series. But I made the top 300, but it didn't go much further after that. <laughs> And it was, I would imagine it was hard back then, but it's even harder now, I feel like, with just all the people that are, um, you know, seems like everyone and their mom's eye racing these days. So, um, yeah. When you, sure. when you got into filmmaking, like this was a high school thing, um, what initially drew you into, because that, that seems like it's very two different kind of, um interests what what got you into filmmaking at the same time you were a race fan and and enjoyed sim racing i actually got into it later on probably 2014 or 15 just just a lot being creative and there's so much stuff you can do just And the uh, Sim Racer was is your first full length film, or have you done other projects beside that one? Yeah, it's my first feature length film. I've done a short film like a year ago. It got accepted into a few a few film festivals, and I did a bunch of stuff in college, but that's just student stuff. Uh, 
It's definitely my biggest thing I've done. So this is uh, the Sim Racer is not like any other movie that's been out there, right? We, I mean, we can draw comparisons. You, I'm sure you've taken inspiration from other movies for different elements of the film, but the concept of a movie pretty much solely focused on sim racing. Um, obviously, there's plot lines and storylines that run through that. But uh, what initially gave you the idea or where are you sitting? What are you thinking about when you're like, ah, oh, this would make a good movie? A lot to make money on a movie because I have to spend money and I want to at least break even. And to do that, you need to market it towards a niche. And I'm like, what niche can I make a movie about? I'm like, well, I'm a sim racer and there's no sim racing movie, so I'm pretty sure I can make a good sim racing movie since I already know the sim race community and have been doing it for so long. So I'm like, why not? Somebody's probably going to do it one day, so I might as well I might as well be the person to do it. So, and how I guess how beneficial was that uh, immersion that you had had into the sim racing community for so many years? How heavily did you rely on that while writing the film and and going through that production process? It made it way easier to write the script and everything because there's there's like inside jokes in the sim race community like. Things like arc breaks or stuff like that that just a Hollywood writer wouldn't know. And they'd have to do a ton of research, but I already know all of that. So I could just do the script without putting a ton of extra time in to research all the ins and outs of sim racing. I think that was something that I appreciated and noticed. You know, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the premiere in Atlanta because I live here. But um, one of the things I noticed was it didn't feel like a Hollywood movie made by like a Hollywood writer about sim racing. It felt like someone who was part of the community had written it. In part, the Arca breaking, uh, you know, kind of trope was was something I appreciated. It's something I know we talk about. Uh, and someone who's a sim racer is going to know what that means. But someone outside of that community, it might go over their head a little bit. Um, or it might just not be included in the film if it wasn't written by an actual sim racer. So the movie is great. We both watched it. I went and saw it in the, the uh, premiere. Chris has watched it. Um, and we were both uh, really just... It's a movie about sim racing. So for us, what's not to like? Um, but one of the things that I was, uh, you know, really intrigued by was the virtual setup you kind of had with, you know, you would have these scenes where um, Luke would put on his helmet and it would feel like he was getting into a real car and he'd be strapped in like via virtual reality. And you would have kind of that view of Luke inside an actual car in iRacing. So walk us through like that whole process of how did you bridge iRacing? Because it, it seems like you you work closely with them, at least to a degree. Um, how did you kind of come up with that whole setup? And where was the idea to kind of show the main character in a sim race car like that? Where'd that come from? That was one of the hardest parts to figure out. Um, like I wrote the, I knew how I was going to film everything else, all the real life stuff. But I was like, how can I incorporate um the actors actually driving in the sim so i was like am i going to get like an actual rig or something like that and i was looking on youtube one day and i saw this guy he does like vr stuff where he's like mixed reality stuff where he's actually in front of a green screen uh with his wheel and everything and it's like he's inside the game yeah that's that would work so that's where I got the idea of how to shoot it. But we basically shot it uh, in front of a green screen and had the actors dressed in racing suits and their helmet. And that's pretty much pretty much it. Now, the actors, um, you know, I like you mentioned, sim racing is a fairly niche community, right? Uh, that was one of your whole goals of building the film. But... Were your actors, um, you know, I guess aware of sim racing? How basically? How did how did you convince these these people that maybe weren't familiar with sim racing like we are that this is a, a somewhat serious thing, uh, and kind of get them on board with this concept of making a movie about a video game? 
Yeah, uh, they weren't really aware of it, but uh, they did research and everything, and they figured it out. And by the end of it, they're like, "Oh, this is a legit thing." And they weren't. Some of them wanted to look more into it, maybe even do it themselves. Like uh, Roman, the guy who plays Luke Wallace, he actually got a little interested and was thinking about buying some stuff and maybe racing. And the audio guy, Brian Morgan. Uh, he was already into like watching Twitch and stuff, so I uh, he's more interested in sim racing now. So yeah, uh, hopefully, just viewers who aren't sim racers that watch the movie or like that, and they come uh, interested in sim racing, look it up, maybe start doing it themselves. What was the biggest challenge of making? the movie obviously this was your first feature length so what were there any things that kind of hit you over the head that you were just weren't aware were gonna to be struggles or challenges or roadblocks um a ton of stuff just it's too much to name like the green screen stuff that i had to reshoot some stuff because you had to get the line exactly right on the green screen or it will just look fake like some of the like, sci-fi channel movie type stuff, just really fake. So I want, I knew I had to get that green screen stuff right because that's like 30% of the movie probably. And if the green screen virtual stuff looked bad, then it's gonna ruin the whole movie. So that was one hard thing that I had to spend extra time on to make sure it was right. Is that something you've done? I guess you haven't done green screen before. Is that something they teach or literally did you just have to figure it out as you went? Yeah, just figured it out. I, I hadn't done green screen before, but after I did it, like, it wasn't that hard. It was trial and error. So now with your own sim rig, you're, you got to have like a green screen. You're going to do mixed reality, reality videos now, right? Is that something you're working on? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah. I'm with you. I don't. I don't want to be on camera. I'll break the camera. So, um, with with all that, we talked about kind of the the green screen setting and getting those. I would imagine camera editing and the replay editor is probably something you had to do a lot of. And obviously, I would imagine you had to get iRacing's permission to do this whole thing in the first place. So, what what was your collaboration with iRacing? What did that look like? Did you approach them, and was it kind of an easy process, or was it difficult? Yeah, it wasn't that hard. I emailed them and told them about the project, and they're like, "Yeah, we like this," and they wanted help. I'm like, "Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of work." So I, I, I just wanted to do it myself. Was it turned out to be like a year long project? So, but yeah, I just uh, wanted to help them out too, like get more customers. Like one thing. Like a month ago, I saw this actor's post on Twitter that, uh, hey, what is sim racing? Tell me more about this. I want to get into it. And people started commenting. And then she didn't go to iRacing. She went to like Forza or something. So I'm like, I emailed iRacing. I'm like, uh, can I put your logo in the credits and like, uh, sign up and start your day and website and stuff? Because, somebody sees this movie, I don't want them to go to like Forza or another game. I want them to go to iRacing. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it for sure. So. Yeah, that was probably a really good idea. So I think, are you talking, is it Chloe uh, Moretz? I think that maybe is who you're talking about. She's gotten yeah. pretty into sim racing. I don't know if she's made the move over to iRacing or not, but um, I remember seeing that probably at the same time you did. So good call on that. Good call on on getting the iRacing logo uh, on there and all that. But I'm I'm with you. Like I get sometimes <laughs> I hate to say like sometimes I work better by myself. I know this is uh you know Chris and I do this podcast. We do the league together and all that. And that's been uh doing it with two people makes it really, you know, it's easy, but I can't imagine injecting more people into it. I think the more cooks that get in the kitchen, the more opinions there are and I totally understand the idea of, of wanting to do it yourself. Um, less pressure too, right? They're, yeah, they're just, they got so much to do. They just wouldn't be able to take it on. I, I hear that 100%. Um, so we talked about your actors and actresses kind of maybe not having uh, the biggest clue about sim racing before and maybe some of them getting into it a little bit. Um 
you know, I guess my next question for you would be, uh, I noticed that uh, throughout the film, uh, we won't talk about the storyline too much because we want people to watch it. Um, but one of the main characters, Ellie Joe, she is, I think the only, if I'm remembering it, the only female sim racer pretty much throughout the entire film. Am I correct about that? Yeah, she's one of the only females in the movie. Yeah, so talk to me about, I was just kind of curious how intentional that was. And, you know, because I think it, it brings up an important point about the sim racing community as a whole. But uh, talk to us a little bit about kind of how you crafted that character and um, kind of how she might be more representative of reality. Um, well, she, I think she uh, does a good job of uh, showing that women can do sim racing. I, there's actually uh, women out there that do sim race and can sim race good because uh, in the movie, she does pretty good in a race. So uh, not all sim racers are just guns. Yeah, I was reading a study uh, recently. I can't remember where I came across it, but it was it was making the point, uh, and this had been like quantify you know quantifiably studied with with statistics and all sorts of uh, tests and stuff. But the female brain is actually more adept to playing video games in, in terms of making the decisions and strategy and all that than the male brain. So uh, it is interesting that, you know, more and more women are getting into the sim racing community. If you're on social media, if you're you're in, you know, any of those social media platforms, you will notice an abundance of women. I, I think that is something that's fairly new. I think it's important. Uh, if this community is going to grow, it's got to be accepting of of not just male racers, but female racers and everyone else. Um, because like at the end of the day, racing is racing no matter who you are. Um, driver versus driver, car versus car. So I was glad that that, that element was there. Um, and I just want to talk to you a little bit about that, about that decision to include her. Um USA International Speedway is the the setting for kind of the main tournament. Where did that come from? Because that's I guess it's one of the more popular tracks on iRacing, but is that a licensing issue? What was the behind the decision to make kind of the main um, tournament at USA International? Yeah, uh, it's just because I wanted to avoid any copyright issues because I know USA International is the funk now and nobody's racing there. I thought about North Wilkesboro or somewhere like that, but knew there could be like copyright trouble with a place like that since it's a NASCAR track. But yeah, I thought I thought it was a good track because it wasn't too small and it wasn't like too big for late models either. So I thought yeah. it was good for the racing scenes. It's like a um I think a Gatorade distribution center sits on the side of USA now, so um yeah that's a that's a good call on the on the licensing there i think some people that lived down there and were big fans of the track might be interested in the movie too they're like huge fans of that track and didn't want it to get shut down or and are kind of nostalgic about it they might be interested in seeing it one last time in the movie oh yeah uh is it it's in florida is it am i right about that yeah yeah okay um yeah i feel like it'd make a great coffee table book to have all the racetracks that are no longer open and what exists on them today um one page of the old racetrack and then the page on the right would be a current picture um it's my idea don't steal it anybody um so with that let's talk about the film itself i know that you're you're potentially getting ready to uh release a little bit more uh widespread talk to us about how People who are listening uh, can potentially see this movie. What options do they have? What options will they have in the future? Actually, just today, officially submitted it to Amazon. So, Congratulations. It's, uh, it's uh, submitted for review on Amazon. Um, so just have to wait and see what happens there. But I'm like 99% sure it's going to go up on Amazon. Just... Uh, how long it takes, I don't know yet, because they don't give like small indie movies. They don't give them an official release date. They just throw it up whenever they get ready. 
but I've heard from another guy that puts a lot of movies up on Amazon. He says it could take anywhere from two weeks to two months. I'm hoping closer to two weeks. I'm hoping it's up before Daytona. That would be nice. That'd be really good timing. I know that a lot of our guys um, and, and part of our community are interested in, in watching that. Um, so yeah, uh, I think I've, I've kind of covered everything that I was curious about in terms of the film itself. I've seen it. Chris has now seen it. Uh, we recommend that anyone listening, uh, you know, whenever you're listening to this, do a search. Amazon's probably going to be the first place to go. Uh, the movie is called the Sim Racer and, uh, it's a great movie. And one of the things that I think is, is, uh, you know, important, especially with, with people maybe that have significant others or are married or whatever, is that, um, this movie includes stuff for not just sim racers. Am I right about that? Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, for sure. Um, even if you're not a sim racer, you can watch the movie and enjoy it. Yeah, it's got, it's got a lot of different, uh, it's got comedy in it. It's got a little bit of romance in there. So we won't spoil the story, but we recommend that you watch the sim racer. And then we hope maybe it'll be on Amazon within the next two two weeks potentially um maybe by daytona in february so uh great well we appreciate you coming on brock uh or do you have any uh, projects that are kind of brewing that you can talk about is there anything that that is you working on any projects right now i just started working on a new script but i'm uh, not ready to talk about exactly what it is yet how long does a script take to get through generally uh, a few months at least uh, I just started on it, so it's not anywhere close to being done yet. But we'll we'll look forward to to finding out more when you're ready to to kind of put that out there. So, how can people find you if they're looking for you and, and kind of your projects and work? So you can follow the Sim Racer film if you're looking for the movie, the Sim Racer film on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to follow my personal account, um, it's I Wanna Brock. W A N N A um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, see what you did there. <laughs> oh, hey, man, we appreciate you coming on. We're not going to keep you any longer. And, uh, you know, you're welcome to come back on anytime. We hope you have a good night. Awesome. You too. Thanks. Hey, hope you enjoyed that episode. We just wanted to say thank you for your time and your interest in our podcast and really just overall thanks for listening we work hard to bring these episodes to you guys each week and thanks for being a part of our slingshot racing community if you want to learn more you can find us at slingshotracing.org from there you can find us on social media like instagram facebook you can join our discord from the main website and uh if you're listening to us on anchor spotify or google podcast please feel free to leave us a review uh the more reviews and the better reviews we have, the more people who will have access to this podcast. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll hope to hear from you and see you next week. Bye for now.